Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? This is Biddy from DGB. I'm here to put y'all up on game about Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you a quick rundown. Now, basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Now, here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or the computer. So no matter what your setup is, you can start creating today. That means you can't make no excuses about you got to go on Amazon, get this microphone, get this certain camera. I need this and that. No, you can go right on Anchor, record today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify and any other places where you uh, listen to podcasts. Um, You can do that with a single tap. It's easy. Just record, click. Anchor is also the only place where you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. Now, with Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. All you got to do is go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what's your excuse, man? Get started. Like, now. Yeah, 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 this Cassidy the Hustler, and I just jumped off the porch with Dirty Glove Bastard. Stay tuned then. Easy. I was scheming a lot, and I sold fiends on the rock. Bag at the bag, a night dream of the guap. Wake up steaming the pot. Alright, so we got Cassidy off the porch with us today. What's up with you? I'm feeling great, man. How you feeling today, man? Feeling beautiful, man. We out here, we on the porch, vibing, drinking, yeah. smoking, you know. So it's like back at home, huh? For sure. Yeah, man. Nah, I appreciate you coming in, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. So it's a new year, man. How you feeling about 2021, man? I'm happy I'm here to see it. New year, feeling energetic, feeling excited. Yeah. I ain't one of them dudes that make a bunch of New Year's resolutions and all that, but I'm happy <laughs> Way I made it. past that at this point, right? Yeah, I'm happy I made it. I'm excited. I got a lot planned for this year. Okay. A lot I'm working on and a lot I plan on putting together this year, so I'm excited. That's what's up, man. So how would you describe your 2020, personally, your personal 2020? Um, my 2020 was pretty good. Um, it was a regrouping time for me. I had a lot of ideas that I wanted to put into effect. I dropped two projects, two albums in 2020. I felt as though it was the best projects to drop. Wasn't a lot of marketing and promotion behind this, so a lot of people that's tuned in might not be familiar with it, but they need to tap in. Yeah. One is called The Science, and the other one is called The Formula. And they both dropped in 2020, so it was a big year for me. Yeah, I feel that, man. For sure. Yeah, so what inspires you to keep creating today, man? You're almost 20, 20 years in, right? Yeah, uh... The reason why I started rapping was because I wanted to be the best. A lot of people start rapping because 
they fans of other rappers and they want to get the money, the fame, the success, the chains, the jury and all that. But I figured that I wanted to start rapping in like the third or fourth grade. So it was before I gave a fuck about uh, jury, cars, success and things like that. You know what I'm saying? I was just worrying about being the best. And I was worrying about impressing people with words. So that's the reason why I'm still, you know what I'm saying, kind of going hard because I'm still inspired to be the best and prove to more and more people that I am the best. Like a lot of people already know I'm the best, but I just want more people to know and want them to know what I'm capable of. So that's why I stay hungry. Yeah, I feel that, bro. It's not about the business side. Like, I mean, I do it for the culture reasons and that's why I'm never going to let up. I feel I might be, if I live to be 150 years old, I'd probably still be putting some shit together. Yeah. Yeah. And when you first started out, you were battle rapping? Sure. Okay. I started off battle rap. Well, no, I didn't actually start off battle rapping. I started off just rapping, you know what I mean? But I got so hot that um, I wanted to prove that I was better than other people. So I started to get competitive and writing in battle style. And um, um, I entered this radio competition in my city. I'm from Philadelphia. And there was this radio competition called The Cypher. It was on the Radio 1 station, 103.9. The host name was Zulu. And there was this thing they did called The Cypher where you would call up and you would battle. And, over the phone. Yeah, over the phone. And the, <laughs> and the callers would have to call up and vote for who they felt won. If you win, you become the champion. And then you got to come on the next night and battle all of the other callers that call up. So um, I won the first night that I called up. Kept winning, kept winning. I started winning for so much that they had to retire me and make me a radio <laughs> personality to judge other people's battles. But that's how I really got popular in my city and being known for battle rap because of that competition. Um, but back in the day, me being on the radio, if I did that like in 2020 or 2021, it'd be all over social media. Mm -hmm. Everybody would be able to see it and put the face with the name. But back then, social media wasn't really, you know what I'm saying, wasn't really existed, uh, ain't really exist. So it was hard for them. Nobody really knew what I looked like. They only knew the name, the ball B. That's what I was going by, the ball B on the radio. So they knew the name and the voice, but nobody knew what I looked like. So that's when I started going around the city, um, actually battling in person so people could put the name with the face. And once I started doing that, I pretty much had the city on smash. Everybody knew that I was the best around. So any label or anybody, A&R, that would come to the city and ask for who's hot or who's the next up, they would always hear my name. So a bunch of opportunities started coming to me and that's how I got in the situation. Yeah, yeah, because like you said, man, this was before the internet, so it was a completely different grind for an artist to get heard, man. For sure. Nowadays, you could have just uploaded one of those freestyles going viral and the next day everyone knows who you are. But it was the highest rated show, like that radio show that I did when I came on, when the Cypher came on, the whole city was tuned in, everybody was watching, the ratings was incredible. I actually had Power 99, the Raibu radio station. They was a little mad at me for years because of that. You know what I mean? Because I was bringing so much ratings to the Radio 1 station during this cypher. So, you know what I mean? It was a big thing. A lot of people heard, heard the cypher, though. Like, a lot of big artists from the city. Beanie Siegel. Like, a lot of everybody that came from the city was tuned in and heard it. So. Yeah. It, it was a good look, you know what I mean? Everybody was tapping in before social media. That was like people entertainment. Because mm -hmm. battle rapping's pretty big in Philly, right? That's part of the culture up there? I think that that cypher actually made it even bigger. Okay. Um, people was always competitive. 
was always ciphering and battling in Philly for sure. But the cipher was one of the things that made it more popular. Another thing that I started in Philly was this um, DVD called um, Too Raw for the Streets. Big Star did it. And this was before Smack DVD and all of that. And um, Cats wasn't actually battling, but they was spitting like battle type of verses in the camera and doing it, like moving their hands and, and acting it out like how they do in battle rap. So that was like the closest form to people seeing it too back in the day. Yeah. So the city of Philly definitely always had that in the culture being competitive. You know what I mean? They super, to this day, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Everybody in the city is super competitive. So, you know what I mean? When you got people that's all doing the same thing and they super competitive, you're going to see people battling. Yeah. You know what I mean? So how did Swiss Beats come about? Did he find you through those ciphers and just just asking around? Or how did that whole situation come about? well, I told you I got popping in the city from Dawn to Cypher. Um, one of the dudes that came to the city was TD, the negotiator. That was my first manager. Uh, well, not my first manager, but he was my, my manager the, when I started in the industry. But I met him in a barbershop in Philadelphia. They told him about me, so I came to the barbershop and started rhyming for him. He said he was a, somebody that represented Rough Riders. He had on a Rough Rider shirt, Rough Rider hat. He had some... Um, I don't know if he had CDs or flyers or he had like merchandise. He had like a lot of rough rider stuff, but I did. It wasn't like he was DMX. I ain't know who the fuck he was. (laughs) I never seen him before and I ain't know his story. So, you know what I mean? I ain't, but he was asking me to rhyme. So I just, at that time, ain't even matter who you was. If you asked me to rhyme, I was just blacking out. (laughs) So he like, yo, let me hear something. I spit a verse and he was like, let me hear some more. Once he said that, I just blacked out. Next thing you know, I'm rapping for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes straight. <laughs> he took my information down. This was um, before cell phones. So two days later, I was in school and I got a page. This one Beepers was out. My mom paged me and um, TD Negotiator, he called. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My house, he wanted me to come to New York. So my mom paged me, told me about, about it. I left school, went to, um, went to New York with Shiz Lansky and Kyle Akbar. Those was two dudes that I formed a group Larceny family with. Okay. We wasn't a group at the time. I told you I was a solo artist on the cypher doing my thing. We was just a clique and we knew each other raps. So I just told him to come with me, like, let's go. And we went out to New York, met with TD, and his brothers was the CEOs of Rough Riders, D and Y, okay. is, this, is his brothers. So, you know what I mean? He introduced me to his brothers. Um, we made an impression on them. And not too long after that, they signed us as a three-man group, Larceny Family. So I was 17 years old. I signed the Rough Riders hmm. as a production company. But I still ain't have um, distribution. I ain't have a deal yet. So um, we start grinding. We start working, putting music together. And I started battling a lot more to let people know that I was next up and I was ready. Yeah. So that's how I built my relationship with Swiss because he was the, a big producer on Rough Riders at the time. And that's how he got familiar with what I was capable of. And not too long after that, Swiss got big enough the way he was going to start his own production company. And um, he needed an artist and he wanted me as a solo artist. And that's when I made the transition from being signed to Rough Riders to being signed to Swiss Production Company 
which was originally going to be called something different, but we called it Full Surface Records. Okay. And I was signed to that production company. And then I went and got a deal with J Records, Sony BMG under Clive Davis. So that's where I got the budgets from to be able to release the music that y'all know, like Hotel and yeah. I'm a Hustler and all those things. Yeah. Was it an easy transition coming from, you know, not to call you a battle rapper, but like battling people to making radio songs like Hotel with R. Kelly? Because that's a completely um, different change of pace, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, in, that, in that period of time, I told you I signed a record deal when I was 17. So at that time, it was strictly being competitive and like battle type of raps and, and things like that. But after I got the deal, that's when I started really focusing on putting songs together, song format songs, um, different concepts, different directions. Okay. I started really locking in on that. And um, I didn't actually come out with my first album <clears throat> until I was like 21 years old. Okay. So, um, 21 and about to turn 22 years old, it was like around that time when people started really hearing me and I started really getting successful and putting music out. So from 17 to 2021 was the time when I was like really locking in and, and focusing on making a transition from just battling to doing songs. Yeah. But at the same time, I was battling while I was learning how to make songs because I felt that's what I needed to do to be able to put out the songs once I do learn how to make songs. I'm gonna need a budget, I'm gonna need situations, so how can I get there? Yeah. And I felt battling was the key to success. So I was battling at the same time I was learning how to make music. So by the time I turned um, like, you know, 20 years old, I was already familiar with making the songs. That's when I signed a production deal with Swiss and budgets opened up for me to do my first album. So yep. at that time I was already pretty familiar with being in the studio making music. I wasn't like a rookie at it. So I already <laughs> had super bars and could battle and I was already a little, you know what I mean, good with making music at that time. Yeah. So it was just about getting the right records and just, you know what I mean, locking in. That first album went gold. And we're talking sales, not streams. For sure. 500,000 sold. Yeah, for sure. When, yeah, when actual albums were selling, right? Yeah, people had to go in the store and buy it. What's your thoughts on the whole streaming era that we're in right now and the, and the way it pays out for artists? Um, it's just a different time, man. You know, everything, the game going to constantly keep developing and growing and changing. You know what I mean? So we just in a different day and time, different day and age. There's advantages and disadvantages to streaming. You know what I'm saying? There's disadvantages to where they used to have to buy actual records, so it was actual money being spent. Mm -hmm. um, you actually knew how much money was being spent, so it was more money flying around, bigger budgets, bigger advances. It was more labels. It was hundreds of labels when oh, I yeah. first signed my deal. Now it's like three left. So it's like... It's a big difference, but at the same time, the advantage is when I first started to get in the studio, it used to cost like $1,500 a night. I used to have to have multiple engineers to be able to handle them reels and the cut reels. And it just took so much time just to get one song done. And it just was so expensive that no average person would even be able to get in the studio. So that's why everybody was making demo type tapes. Yeah. And even to get equipment that was good enough to make quality music was so expensive back then. You know what I'm saying? So it was like impossible. People wanted to go platinum and sell a million records, not realizing what actual physical records were selling, even if you were selling them out your trunk. 
to get a million records would cost money. So if they was charging you a dollar, two dollars, or three dollars a CD, just say you paid two dollars a CD and you wanted to sell a million records, you would need two million dollars to invest in CDs, <laughs> yes, even if you were selling it out the trunk. So where would you get that two million dollars to invest in the CDs to be able to do that? So. You know what I mean? That's why you needed a deal back in the day. It was no real way for artists to survive without doing these, these um, deals with these companies and, and getting this, these advances and these monies from these companies. But now with technology changing, it's easier to record. Everybody got a studio in their house hmm. and it's cheaper to get the equipment that could get you A1 sound and music. You know what I mean? Um, production it's easier for more people to become producers now. So more beats is available. And it's not just a limited amount of top producers with the sound. It's like a bunch of different dudes could come with the sound now. So it's more beats available for you to be creative now. Um, and with the streaming, it, it eliminates that price of record sales that I told you. I mean, record cost that you got to pay for the actual CDs. It eliminate that. Because now you could just upload a song and the whole world could get it without you spending nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's the advantage if you have fans in africa europe and australia and you never been there how would you know how many fans you had how would you be able to reach them how would you be able to get your merchandise in the stores over there it would take relationships companies to back you that had them relationships already and you just use their connections but now with streaming you could just upload something and the whole world can get it now so it is advantages but there's also disadvantages too you know what I'm saying? Because now with streaming, there's so much music available. What will make people want to stream your music once you do upload it? What will make people un realize that you did drop something for them to be able to stream? So it's advantages and disadvantages like it always was in the business. You just got to learn the business and figure out the best way to work it for you. Yeah, that's real right there, man. What was it like creating I'm a Hustler, man? Um, it was like a... Uh, I'm a Hustler was a key point in my life because my first album, Split Personality, my first two singles was uh, Hotel and Get No Better, yeah. which is big records that I still get paid to perform to this day. People still love them. They're classic records, but um, the direction of the record wasn't what people was used to me doing. Like, I came from battle rap and street shit and just, like... I mean, grimy type of rap. And now I'm doing these top 40 pop type of commercial songs for the radio. And I got new fans from it, but my original fans didn't fully understand it. And I knew it wasn't going to make sense with what I was going to do further along in my career. So um, I needed a record like I'm a Hustler. What could play in the clubs, it could still play on the radio and be commercial at the same time, but it still represent more what what you know what i'm saying the tip i was on at that time mm -hmm. so um and i think that's the reason why i hit off so hard that's why um it it got the response that it got you know what i mean because um a lot of people didn't even believe in the record i'm a hustler because it's so grimy so in a in a it's talking about hustling and in the chorus, um, it say, nigga acts, nigga, nigga acts about me, nigga acts, nigga, nigga acts about me. That's just a whole bunch of niggas, and that's in the chorus. So to be able to get that on the radio and then the type of radio stations that they like to get on was Top 40, which would not never play no record like that. So they thought it was like the a horrible idea, like the worst direction to go in. But I knew it was mandatory, like to the, the paint the picture the right way. So 
that's why it was a lot of fighting, a lot of ups and downs, but I'm happy that we did go with that record. And when we put it out, we just put it out to mix show DJs. There was no radio budget and no money behind it. Oh, really? And they just started playing it so crazy, started going so crazy. The clubs everywhere was going so crazy with the record that the label eventually put money behind it, but it was like late, you know what I'm saying? So they picked up on the momentum a little late because they ain't believe in it at first. But it still took off, it skyrocketed. I think it was the first um, platinum ringtone. And that's when ringtones was out. Like, so it just started the ringtone wave what led to all of this streaming stuff that we doing now. Yep. And it was an incredible. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Big record. And when the actual album dropped, I was locked up for um, a homicide and two attempted murders. So I wasn't even actually able to be um, out to promote the record like I wanted to be. I was setting up a big um, tour behind the I'm a Hustler album and a big run of promotional tour that we is about to go on and a lot we had planned for the record that I wasn't able to execute because I was locked up. So that's the reason why it was a big record. It was revolved around the time that I was changing from doing those commercial records, just like Hotel to Dawn Street Records. It was the time around when I got locked up. It's like the biggest record of my career. The first platinum ringtone is like a lot behind the record. You know what I'm saying? How much do you think going to prison affected your career at that time? Um, it definitely affected it a huge amount. I mean, I wasn't able to do nothing. I was locked up. So it's like when you're locked up, you don't really got no career. You can't move around. You can't make music. You can't perform. You can't do shows. You can't do nothing. So it like stagnated my career for a period of time. And it can affect the image, the way people look at you when there's like um, rumors revolved around your name. A lot of people not getting all of the information so they don't really know the true, the true story. So people just start to paint their own pictures and they start to run with what people saying like and what radio DJs were saying and a lot of people was making it seem like I was guilty. They was joking like even radio DJs that play my song, I'm a hustler, go off. And they'd be like, that was I'm a hustler from Cassidy. I bet you he don't think he a hustler now because he's locked up in jail. But we gonna get to the next song and stuff like that. They used to... <laughs> say stuff like that like and if you don't really know the information and you just hear that you're like oh well he guilty just it can stagnate your career you know what i'm saying yeah. so now you got to let out the real information the real information got to be brought to light and it's like and like i said when i got locked up it, social media wasn't mm -hmm. as big so the same way you able to find out when people telling and when people ratting and all that stuff now it was harder back in the day it's the same way it was harder to tell when people stood up and did the right thing like I did back in the day. Yeah. So, but everything happened for a reason. I grew from it, I learned a lot from it, I tightened my circle and became a better person. So I ain't wanted to happen while it was happening, but I'm happy that it happened and I know why it happened. It happened for a reason, you know what I'm saying? I feel that, man. And then uh, a few months later when you came home, you were involved in a car accident. And you were in what, a coma for two weeks? Yeah. And Right after I just told you the jail situation stagnated my career, I came home to start working on a new project. I went to Arizona for a few months, like two, three months, and I started putting together the Bars album. 
started working on some new music. And I came back up top, I was in New Jersey, came back up top to like finish the project off. And I was going to pick up um, a producer, Neo The Matrix. He one of the producers that I started off with. He was on my first album, my second album. He did like legendary records like AM to the PM. Bat, bat, bat. I'm a sprayer when I see him. Like, so I was going to go pick him up. And that's when the accident happened. Um, um, I suffered like a lot of damage, went into a coma. And when I came out the coma, I had amnesia. So that's what even took more time, not just for me to physically recover, but my brain had to recover because I couldn't even remember songs like I'm a Hustler and Hotel, songs I performed a million times. Like when I came home from the hospital, my family was showing me my videos and I couldn't remember my own videos. So, and I used to see people getting amnesia on TV and I ain't understand it. I ain't understand how you could still be like alive, have a mind, but not remember nothing and it's like, how you still remember how to talk and do stuff but you can't remember? I ain't really understand it until that shit happened to me. That shit is real. Yeah. And it took months and months and time for me to start healing, for me to get my memory back and then get focused enough to be able to write the Finish the Bars album. So that's the reason why my Bars album was like a deep album. And people that like deep music feel as though that's their favorite album from me mm-hmm. because I was in a real place at that time, talking about what got me through the jail situation, what got me through the accident, how I had the strength to overcome that and still be working back in the studio. Like, um, they were saying they was gonna give me life without the possibility of the death penalty. And they was counting me out, right? And then when I went in that coma, they said I suffered so bad of brain damage that I was never gonna be able to rap again. I probably was never gonna be able to rap again, right? But now I'm the best in the world again. Like nobody could fuck with me. So it's like, it's like it just um, encouragement to let people know like, whatever you believe that you can do, just keep fighting and keep going and you can make it happen. So that's the reason why I got so deep on that Bars album and that album is so touching to a lot of people that understand it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What's been some of your keys to staying relevant for going on almost 20 years now? Um. Um, first of all, working, um, like in this type of business, the older you get, the better you get. Only reason why I seem like older people fall off is because they don't do it no more. It could be for different reasons, but they lose the hunger. Um, they realize how shisty the business is, or they might figure out other ways to get money. And they realize that you could get more money doing other things than rapping. So they lose the hunger. It could be a lot of combinations of reasons why they don't do it as much as when they was a young boy. And that's why they might fall off, but it's not because they mentally can't do what they used to do, it's just because they don't put in as much time as they need to, and that's required for them to be dope. You know what I'm saying? But I constantly put in work, I constantly grind, I constantly write, I constantly work. Like every time some people come around me, new music, new verses, new songs, I call other artists, Yo, you sleep what you got, putting pressure on them. Every time they come around me, playing more music, call battle rappers every day, spitting verses, making sure they, oh, you got a battle coming up? Let me hear what you got. I got my verses ready. I'm sparring with them like they about to battle me to get them prepared. I'm just like, (laughs) I always work and I keep my air to the streets and what's going on in hip hop because it's constantly making adjustments. And if you don't, 
if you're not aware of the adjustments that's being made, then you can fall off track. And some people fall off track and get frustrated and they just say, well, that, that new shit, they, get, they don't like it. You know what I'm saying? That's just because they don't understand it all the way. And it takes time to understand it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you got to be in the game. You got to have your head to the streets. You got to be putting in work. And I think that's the reason why I'm able to just um, stay above water and still stay relevant. Yeah. Plus, um, my shit is authentic and my shit is real. So when your shit is based off fake shit and you got to keep playing this fake role year after year, it eat away at you. It make you look old. That's why these rappers look like they grand, look like they deteriorating, look like they dying. They look like, and they supposed to have all the money, all these awards, all this success. If you got all of this, why do you look so old? Like you just dying away because even though you getting money and you getting success, you know what you got to do to make that success come and it's eating you alive. People like, yo, if I had all that money, they talking about money, more money, more problems. Now, nah, if I had all that money, I'd be super happy. Yeah, because you looking at your lifestyle and the person that you is just having more money. But they got more money, but they realize what they had to do to get the money. And they realize what they gonna have to continue to do to maintain having that money. And it's eating them alive. It's just <laughs> making them not be able to do what they used to be able to do. And that's another reason why dudes is falling off and you don't see them able to put in work or stay hungry no more. Yeah. So for that reason, I'm able to stay young, stay relevant and keep working. And plus I'm always on my job. I never put my pen down. Yeah. That's the real right there, man. All right, so talk to us about your, your latest project, The Formula. The Formula? Um, the first project I dropped was called The Science. That was the one I dropped in October. That was more um, hard music, like frown your face up music through the whole tape. Everything is more like a grimier feel. Even though I'm on new beats per minute, it's not like I'm on old school, just boom, bat beats per minute. I'm riding a bunch of different waves, but even when I'm on new beats per minute, it still make you frown up your face and it's like a harder version of music. And I did that feel all the way through the whole project. So with the formula, I wanted to do more. So I got more records, like deep records, conscious records, records for the ladies that feel like radio top 40 type of records. I got like um, crossover records, like records that I did with um, Beanie Man. That's like, you know what I'm saying? That's cultural records. It's like, I'm doing all different type of records on this formula. Just to show like, you know what I mean? The, the, the range that I could touch. And um, I got another one coming next month called The Wise Man. Next month. Yeah, what and I'm going to take it to an even <laughs> even higher place with The Wise Man. There's going to be a lot of deeper records that just show, um, not that I was nice from the beginning, but on top of that, all of this time I've been around, all of the things I experienced, all the things I've seen, and how I was able to be able to experience, see all them things, and still be here. So that's what I'm bringing to the table on The Wise Man. And I love that. I love that project. I can't wait till the streets get it. And I'm just so consistent and just working so hard that that's why I'm dropping them back to back. You know what I'm saying? Just to show people that um, just from the muscle, independent, I could just keep them coming like this. And these dudes that got these big budgets um, could work with any producer, could get any feature they want. Got all of the biggest cars outside the studio, got the best photographers, got millions of followers. And they just putting out bullshit and not putting out nothing at all. They don't got no excuse. So 
I'm just trying to motivate not just the people around me to get on their job and step it up, but just everybody that do what I do to get on their job and step it up and also inspire the fans to demand more. So yeah. you force the dudes to bring more to the table and get more on their job. So that's why I'm just working harder than ever. After all of this time, all this work I'm putting in, I, I'm still dropping more music than, you know what I'm saying, the young boys is. So it's just motivation for dudes to just step it up, work yeah. hard. Yeah, three albums in five months. That's crazy, sure. man. Back in the day, you could never do that. <laughs> sure. And they full albums. It's not like um, these no seven EPs. song albums yeah. and like, it's full albums. I think the, um, the, the, the science is um, 14 records, I think and the formula is 17 records yeah now wise man gonna be even more than that so we working i got you all right plus i got a lot of artists that's down with me around with me and i've been in atlanta lately building a lot of new collects and there's a lot of new talent that's on the way so that's why i'm releasing all this music to you know what i mean prove to the world what i could do too to just set, lay out the red carpet for all of this other work that's about to come i feel that all right. What has being a father taught you about life? Um, being a father is hard to explain, but it's the best gift I ever had is a blessing, man. Kids is healthy, smart, dope. My oldest son just dropped the album um, on all platforms. He is like a producer. He producing <laughs> for a lot of like younger kids. Like he got a a bunch of artists that he producing for and he dope. So just to see my kids grow up, just to see how smart and dope they is and I could play a part. Like I've been in their life every day since the beginning. Like, and that's important to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's what's super important in every um, kid. Um, they be needing their parents around. And that's the reason why we got a lot of issues. Niggas dealing with a lot of mental issues and all that shit, cause they don't be having their parents around. And the, the father is like the son, right? The son just shining in the house. So you don't really gotta uh, necessarily like even talk to your kid or pass off Jews. Like, of course you're gonna do that automatically, but you don't even gotta do that. Just you being around, just your presence is like the son and they gonna be able to tan off it, get energy off it and be able to develop the right way with just being, just seeing you around. Like, you know what I'm saying is important. So being to the fact that I was there every day, able to play a part, um, and just, it's like a miracle to me. Even though I had kids, I still don't understand the magic behind it. Like being able to sleep with a woman and then she get pregnant and then you see the process of her stomach growing and then you had this baby and then it grow into a man like you. It's like, it's still unexplainable. It's crazy. It's like amazing to me. So it's just dope. And eventually they getting old enough to where they could start families and have kids. Mm -hmm. So now my kids could have kids and you could see how the how the world just work and it's just dope. Yeah. I love it. All right, Cass, any shout outs you want to give out before uh, we wrap this up? Shout out to everybody tuned in. Shout out to all my fans, all of the GOAT gang, all of the Larceny family, all of the Rough Riders, all of the Mayhem music team. Everybody around the world that's been holding it down, all of the hip hop fans. Shout out to all of the people in Atlanta that's been holding me down since I've been out here. Philly, Pennsylvania, you already know how I carry it. Shout out to my city. And shout out to the porch, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. 
We in here, man. Goat gang. Download that science and that formula, man. Tap in and the wise man be out real soon, man. Easy. Salute. I was scheming a lot, and I sold fiends on the rock. Bag at the bag, a night dream of the guap. Wake up, steam in the pot, take drag at the drag. A think. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba da ba ba ba.